Hey, good morning. It's up in uh, not really researching. I've just been um, kind of just going with it. Stayed away from uh, most of the stuff on YouTube. Because it was just... Uh, I don't know, whilst it might have been like... I don't know, it just seemed like a lot of... Uh, a lot of ideas people had made up, right? Oh, hey, check this out, this is quantum locking. All they've really done is change the state of something and given it a label. To say that it's a lock and it's fixed in place. It's not permanent. Because you can change the state of the thing and return it back to normal condition, i.e. the normal earth temperature. So I wanted to try and get away from all of that stuff. Because when you start looking for anything to do with quantum, it's like just a barrage of BS. That's all that's all I can say it is. It's not I don't find anything interesting in it. Even though they set up these experiments and it's like, oh wow, that looks cool. There's no applicate, there's no real application because we don't live in those conditions. We don't live at minus a hundred and something degrees, 196 degrees. And you would not be able to keep something at that temperature. So whilst you've discovered a state, that that's pretty much it. No, you don't need like hundreds of people all conducting the same experiment to say the same thing. It's just repeating the same thing. Whereas I'd prefer to understand more of the unknown aspects. And by unknown aspects, I mean the things that haven't been haven't been observed yet. But then that <laughs> that has to make me a hypocrite because I'm complaining about the videos on quantum locking when all they've really done is rediscovered or observed a different state. But I don't think it's that that I want. I don't want to just see things in different states because it doesn't interest me. I think it's more... I think it's more understanding it on the side of the unknowns and the before it's before it's observed and in some respects I think that goes back to to the person because if you remember before anything become can become physical it first has to go through consciousness Somebody has to actually rediscover, discover, imagine, design and create.
And I know people might say, well, all these elements are fundamental, they're foundational, they're not man-made. Where did they come from then? What created it? And if it was a Big Bang, what created the Big Bang? Ah, <laughs> fridgy, fridge. So, this was something I spotted last night, right? I've just actually walked past a bottle of this milkshake called, it's now called Fridge on the road. And that's weird because last night an advert came on. I went back to watching an Urban Explorers channel just because you don't really have to think about it. You just kind of switch off and just watch. And an advert came on and it was for this milkshake called Fridge. And I don't know where they sell it. They sell it in the UK. I think they've sold it for like at least 30 years. So I remember seeing it when I was a kid. But the name had changed. I'm almost 100% sure it was called Fridgy, which makes sense because Fridgy in Swahili means refrigerator. And that's where you keep this milkshake in the refrigerator, otherwise it goes like shit. So, I understand why they changed the name to Fridge, because a lot of people in the UK call the refrigerator a fridge. It's just the shortening of the word. But if you try and search for Fridgy, you won't find much. But luckily I found a somebody posted about it it was like uh, a voucher website back in 2007 or 2008 and they they called it fridgy so i'm almost certain that's a guy again i think he yeah he must he works at one of the garages car garages it's be a mechanic or something it's like he's got like a tool thing on his back. On height. Huh? Uh, yeah, so that was like two distractions. Distraction distracted the distraction. Anyway, so yeah, this fridge milkshake used to be called Fridgy. And it's interesting as well because I was uh, fucking out, like. I was, this is going to be a really long tangent, so the last thing that I recorded about balance in life and money, I was talking about a diagram I drew, so I put one point on the left and labelled it B, and one point on the right and labelled, labelled it G, good and bad, and I said that if you spent the first part of your life being bad or overall you've done bad so you take the point from take the point from the um, fuck see I'm going to get it wrong now Basically, if you if you connect all the points up, right? So you go from the bottom of the B, the B line, connect it up to the top of the G line, and from the bottom of the G line, connect it to the bottom uh, to the top of the B line. So you get a bow tie shape. And if you put a line in the middle where the two points meet, or where the two parts of the bow tie meet. Looks like two projectors, one projecting forward, one projecting back, or two lamps. 
and I kind of inferred that if you look back on your life you've done bad going forward you have to do good for there to be balanced for that diagram to remain balanced because otherwise the diagram wouldn't look like that so it's like that diagram is an expression of balance that's what it looks like a bow tie um, and then if you connected all the points together so you basically end up with like a, a square with a hexagram in the middle and if you put across at every intersection you get a lot of different symbols you get the uh, six-pointed star you get the as above so below uh, triangles what else was there you get the Space Force logo is it Space Force or Star Trek or something um, yeah, so you basically got get a whole bunch of these symbols that are used by different groups. But the intersection, when you put uh, a cross at each intersection of lines, you get seven crosses, one in the center and three on either side. So seven is quite an important number in Christianity or is it Revelation Revelation 9.13 or something that I don't know if it was referenced as Jesus or Lord was surrounded by seven lanterns and in his hands with seven stars I think they called them stars the, anyway the, the pictures that I've seen it's like a ring of stars in his right hand which I'm not sure what that refers to uh, a constellation maybe in Taurus seven sisters and the seven lanterns the seven chakras and the the image of him is described as being dressed in white with bronze shoes which in Daniel something is uh, referred to as stability like uh, security and stability that's what the bronze shoes represent. Um, and his hair is white. His eyes are fire. Basically, you can't see any of the facial features. He just looks like a glowing white, bright sun. Looks like a bright white sun. But I think it is symbolic of something else. Because the colour white reflects light. Reflects white light. But in turn it reflects all light. And...
think what it is trying to say is figuratively he's bringing light to darkness because in darkness it doesn't reflect light right black the color black absorbs light So he's providing a source of light, just like the sun. Oh, it's one of them days again. Everyone's looking, and they're all in the cars. Weird. One day someone will stop and say, nice shorts or nice t-shirt or something. Maybe it's my nice hair. It's kind of... Kind of scruffy blonde. <laughs> anyway, so it's kind of detracting a bit. So the seven stars thing, right? So I just, I always Google shit, seven stars. And the first thing that came up was a media agency in, in uh, London. I'm not really sure. Not really sure what's the point in saying. So I started send, I started to write an email to this media agency because I saw the website and I was like, wow, these these people sound pretty I don't know, there was it like struck a chord with me. There was like some sort of harmony in what they'd written on the on the website. But I don't honestly know why I was writing the email. If it was for a job or what. So I used to, I did media studies, I did enjoy it, but the theoretical side of it, the, the psychology, I just didn't agree with. Because it's all like, oh yeah, the behaviours and stuff, but it's more like, uh, it's more like manipulation. You can gloss it and call it a marketing method or whatever, but at the end of the day, it is just manipulation. You're manipulating the way that people see a particular brand by using certain colours or words or symbols it's uh, yeah so I, d- I don't know why I was emailing them and then then I kind of stopped on I was like why am I email- emailing them they're going to find it a little bit weird I'm sending this email asking them questions about how are they uh, what challenges are they facing kind of thing anyway that feels like a waste of time <laughs> but I think it was it was because I'd seen the fridge bottle and uh, they'd obviously done it for marketing purposes because the word fridge is very close to a slang word that used to be used so maybe they were trying to get away from that that's, that's what I think I was just wondering what the what the marketing what the branding uh, strategy was let's just call it fridge (laughs) anyway so that tangent's over um 
Okay, so I completely forgot where I've started. So I went off on like, what, two or three tangents. So now that's out of the way. Um, oh yeah, I was talking about the diagram, wasn't I? That, that was actually quite an interesting thing that I, I saw after I recorded uh, yesterday. So yeah, just looking at by looking at the diagram and just uh, just looking at the intersections, you get these six. You get three intersections on each side with a obviously an, an intersection in the middle where all lines meet, and then you get the reference to the Bible with the seven stars in Revelation. And the seven candles, which are called lamps as well. So you get the seven lamps. Now a lamp is like, what? Well, it's like a projector lamp, right? Isn't that what they call them? Those uh, cinema projector lamps? So it got me thinking that the... It's all kind of similar. It's all very similar. And the... The diagram I drew was... Basically an expression of balance. What balance would look like. And I attached labels. But those labels could have been any... Any extremes... So you apply the same thing to anything and you'd get the same symbols, you'd get the same patterns. Now what does that mean? Like what what does that prove? It doesn't really prove anything. But like I said, The example I gave is a balanced example. And it shows you a balanced image or a balanced diagram or balanced symbols. If you did the same thing, but for somebody that had only ever been bad their entire life, or somebody that had only ever been good their entire life. It would look very different. The expression would be unbalanced. Or would it? It would look very different. And uh, I probably should have tried it up but if you've only ever been at one extreme if you've only ever been constantly moving towards the bad then this is going to be a point or it's just going to be a line it's going to be nothing nothing really descriptive So, it's like I've been saying, balance is not staying in the middle, it's not being neutral, because if you just stay neutral, it just, it'd still, it'd be the same, it'd be a point, it'd be like being at either extreme, it'd be a point. And what I've been saying is that you have to adapt, you always have to be moving to adaptation because adaptation is balance you're moving towards the balance all the time like the North Pole is always moving 
So if you want to continue to be facing north, you have to move as the pole moves. If you just go north from there, draw a line on the floor. It's not, it's not going to be true north. It's going to be the north that you drew at a point in time point in energy it may come back to that it may come back to that point but it's never going to stay at that point so you have to continually adjust and then when you do you get the signs and the symbols right that's what people are looking for isn't it they're looking for a sign or a symbol what they should do maybe it's just to be adaptable maybe that's all it is adaptation and the degree of adaptation required is dependent on the conditions of the person Perhaps the conditions when they were born and the conditions of how they live now. So nothing is constant in terms of nothing ever remains fixed. It must be moving for balance. Does the ground move or does it remain fixed? The ground has to have a bit of give, it has to move. Otherwise, if it remained fixed, you'd have cracks running through it. There has to be There has to be some give and take. In order for the to be balanced. So if you um if you drank uh a can of beer Like a normal strength beer, like three, three percent or something, three percent alcohol volume. Based on your conditions, your the conditions of your body, when you last ate, thickness of your blood. is going to determine how that beer is going to affect you because the alcohol is going to enter your bloodstream and it's going to change the way that you feel it's going to alter your condition now if you wanted to increase You wanted to increase the effectiveness of the uh, of the alcohol. You could increase the amount of alcohol you drink, or you change the type of alcohol that you're drinking. So you could drink a nine percent beer. So that's three times the amount of volume as the three percent. Which means roughly you'd need to drink three of the normal beers to get the same effect as one of the higher strength beers. So if you drank the higher strength beers, it just means you're going to be affected quicker because the 
percentage of alcohol in your blood is going to increase quicker. And that state is intoxication, right? When you drink, actually, it could be it could be described as anything that is toxic in the body that you're intoxicated, but it's typically only referred to with alcohol. So you'd be considered intoxicated, right? If you drank too much, you had too much alcohol in your blood. Kind of forgetting where I was going with it. So in order to counteract that, How would you balance out the effects? What is... Like, what's the opposite of... Intoxication? Does, does something like that exist? Where you're not in a toxic state at all? Detoxification? So if you wanted to... If you were intoxicated... You would need to detox. And that means to remove... All the toxins from your body... And then when you are detoxified, the effects of the alcohol should disappear. But typically what happens when people are intoxicated, they'll go to hospital and have the stomach pumped. And then all that does is removes or prevents any more alcohol from entering the bloodstream. And then they may give them, I don't know what medication, but they may give them something in order to maybe flush, flush the alcohol out. Maybe something like saline or something. Because that's essentially what you'd need to do. It would need to be excreted as waste because the alcohol can't just remain in your body and like be neutered so it would have to be something that would have to force it out but that's balance right so if you go too far you become intoxicated and the other extreme of that is detoxification but they're kind of the same point because to be detoxed, you have to be intoxicated to a degree. Now you could detox and only be, you, you may not drink alcohol, but just in your daily life, all the toxins that you breathe in, that you eat and that you drink and other things, that's, uh, and another form of detoxification but it's the same principle it's an imbalance in the body there's too many toxins so it's the same kind of process but that again that's balance so So why would... So toxins exist, right? And toxins are created... Via some process. 
but they have to be something else before they become a toxin, right? Anyway, so that's another example of balance. And I think that's probably one that more people could agree with because they may have been, they may have experienced being drunk at some point, being intoxicated. And so I'm just going to touch on health for a minute. So health in terms of the food that you eat, same kind of thing toxic and non-toxic but I think it's more it's probably more um, shocking to put it in terms of living and dead food so if you keep on the, the scale of the two states of human living and dead so if you eat predominantly dead food which is things like meat and also processed foods things that have been uh, changed typically in a factory they're changed in some way something's added a lot of the times it's like water and salt in order to change like the consistency or something so it doesn't really look like uh, something that you would find naturally so if you ate a lot of that food a lot if you ate mostly that kind of food it's going to be the same kind of effect as being intoxicated You're going to be, your body's going to be in a state of toxicity. Because in order for your body to break down the dead food, in order to extract anything from it, if anything at all, if it can get anything at all. It has to first break it down and then it has to break down those constituents and then anything that's left over, it'll try and uh, try and use. But with something like meat, it takes, it can take hours for it to, for it to break down. And all your body really needs from it is the amino acids. But in order to get the amino acids, it has to break down the protein. Because your body, you don't just eat meat and your body doesn't use the protein from the meat in your body. Because that's animal protein. Your body can break it down and take the amino acids because it's the amino acids that build the proteins. So you take the amino acids from the meat, it's a long process to get to that point. Then when you've got the amino acids, then the body can use that to build protein, to repair muscle, to build new muscle, or sorry, to build cells, to repair cells, cell growth, right? That's kind of the basics. But if you're continually, if all you're eating is meat, your body's going to be under constant strain because it's constantly working to digest this, to digest this meat, to, to extract the protein, to break down the protein, to extract the amino acids. It's a very long process. So that's putting the body under constant strain. So when I say eating something eating dead food it's basically it's the strain that the body's put under because
because you're eating something that is taxing the body you have to break it down in order to get the the building blocks so it could be the same with something that's been processed in a factory although there could be some cases where there's actually nothing to extract or very very little so the body's expended more than what it's gained so eating dead food taxes the body more because it has to break down it has to spend more time breaking down in order to get to the things that it can use now with living food this is things like vegetables, plants fruits um, not living animals because that, is, that, that would be the same thing because eating a living animal is the same as eating a dead animal it's uh, it's the same meat it doesn't make it any it doesn't change it doesn't change the condition <laughs> so if you eat living foods the body can adjust itself quicker to digest the food quicker which might be why people don't like to eat vegetables and fruits so much because maybe they don't get full because they 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 need the feeling of full in order to be satisfied so people could be looking just for that feeling when they eat as opposed to choosing the foods that are going to be easier and uh, easier to digest provide the nutrients that they need and uh, not tax the body so much so obviously eating too much of anything is not going to be good for you I'm sure if you ate too much fruit you'd probably get stomachache or cramp because your body doesn't need that much it doesn't need a whole basket of fruit in one go it'd be better to eat less it'd be better to eat more frequently throughout the day But as with anything, there's a balance, right? If you... (laughs) There are certain things that are said that you can only get from dead foods. I.e. from meat. (laughs) But they could be obtained from elsewhere. But maybe not from living foods. So it's kind of a balance. You can't really... You can't really eat too much of one or the other. I'd say you could probably eat more of the living foods and suffer less problems. But if you ate too many, too much of the, the dead foods, you probably suffer a lot more problems. And I think a lot of people do that because I was like that. I was eating a lot of meat when I was bodybuilding. And you notice you get get tired a lot, lethargic, because your body's constantly trying to... It's expending energy trying to digest all this meat. And so to compensate, then you have to eat a whole bunch of carbohydrates.
in order to provide the additional energy for digestion. But that's... Uh, that that's not balanced whilst it is giving energy it's still taxing the body because the carbohydrates have to be digested so you're constantly chasing something but you're going away from balance you're going towards just the dead side you're going quicker towards decay I remember at one point I think when I was 20 25 between 25 and 27 that was at the I was sort of like reached my peak and it was after that point I stopped I stopped on the the course I was on in terms of diet I cut the diet down but that was the first time in my life that somebody had said I looked older than I was because I've always looked younger that always been the case since I was a kid so for somebody to say that I looked older I was like shit <clears throat> that must mean I've decayed a lot more and that was because of my diet and uh And exercise routines. So I cut that all down. So I cut it down. And. Well eventually now I'm. Much more balanced. I'm not. I'm not eating any meat. But I'm still eating some dead foods. As in things that are not plants, vegetables, fruits. Basically anything that you cook, you could consider that to be that to be dead in some ways, lost something. And it could have gained something could have, if you're adding salt and things like that. But I try and manage that by cooking cooking most things myself so that I know exactly what's been added so so that's another example moving between moving between uh, death and living foods Now over on the, if you eat too many dead foods, that, that's typically where disease will come in. So dead foods, I would also consider sugar though, refined sugar, white sugar, because it's been taken from its form of cane sugar, modified, processed. And it's similar in a way to alcohol in the way that it affects the blood. So it would have to be taken in very small doses, if at all. It would have to be balanced out. But then all of those things, they tax the body. That's, that's what they do, they tax the body. So you have to account You have to acknowledge that it's taxing the body. Yeah, so that's another example of balance, right? So you don't just eat all dead foods. You don't just eat all living foods. There's got to be movement between... There's got to be adaptation. Because you may spend the first part of your life eating meat. Because that's what you were told that's what you thought you needed that's what you thought was good but then you may realise well actually this is not this is making me feel sick or this is causing problems or potentially like signs of disease 
So then you can still balance that out and just change, just change, just adapt, change your diet. That's all it takes. But obviously if there's been like extremes where you eat an extreme amount of food, obviously the rate of decay is going to be vastly increased. The rate of disease is vastly increased. The, uh, the body is going to take longer to adapt because it's been so out of whack. And to go from one extreme to the other, in that situation, it could be dangerous. <laughs> okay, so, getting on for like 50 minutes. <laughs> okay, so I might cut this one here. So this is balancing your balancing your health. Balancing your health. A whole balance? <laughs> Wholesome balance? Yeah, it'll be something like that. Okay, capsulator. 